0: John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, starting a new series entitled More. Uh, the scenes you just saw in that little bumper there are from a cave that was found a few years ago in Vietnam. When I mean, People walked in there and they found these rooms that were gigantic and nobody had ever seen them before. It was way more than they'd expected or than anybody had ever experienced there. And in this series, we're going to be looking at some things in the Christian life that are that way. I mean, just way better than we thought. I mean, way more. And today we're going to talk about the first installment on this. There's an outline in your bulletin entitled, Church is Like That. Church is more. I mean, it's way more than most of us thought it would be when we just started coming to a meeting or when a friend invited us. There's just wonderful things that God wants to do in our lives, in and through church, wonderful things he wants to do through us. And I can't wait to tell you about it. So let me have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. I want to thank you uh, that we have the chance today to talk about church being more than we've experienced or more than we've expected. Lord, uh, the gospel is good news on so many levels, and, Lord, it's way better news than we thought. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will bless today, that you will speak, and you'll move me out of the way, and we'll leave here encouraged. If you'd like the Lord to speak to you this morning, Would you just pray silently where you are and say, Lord, would you help me learn something today? I want to leave here closer to you. We pray these things together in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I mean, there are a lot of things like that that are just more. I remember when we had our first child and we brought him home. That's more than I expected. Okay, a lot more. And it's that way in life. And the good news is, point one on your outline is, we are more than people who go to church. We are the church. Now, you got to let that sink in. In fact, let's read it out loud together, please. We are more than people who go to church. We are the church. Wow. Where do I get this idea? Well, I get it from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to do something we don't normally do here on Sunday mornings, I'm going to just read a, a section because I'm going to be unpacking this for us here today. And I'd like for us all to stand up while I read it. Would you mind standing up while I read it? I just want you to listen to this as I'm, re- I'm reading 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 12. because And the reason I want us to stand is this applies to all of us. If you're a believer in Christ, this applies to you. Peter is writing to Christians, early Christians. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. Listen to this. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. We'll unpack all of that. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he's the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. Now they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you're not like that. You're a chosen people. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you'd received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior. They'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And that's a word from Peter to early Christians who'd been scattered. They'd left Jerusalem because of persecution. They'd grown up Jewish going to the temple. And now they were believers and they were scattered. And they go, well, now we're scattered all over the Mediterranean, all over the known world. What now? Where do we go to temple? And Peter's reminding them, you are the temple. You are. God's spirit lives in you. And this is the scripture there, just part of that, verses uh, four and five, uh, under point one in your outline. You're coming to Christ who's a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And Peter said, that's true of you and me too. We are living stones. And so we don't go to a a temple made of bricks and sticks when we worship Christ. We are the bricks of God's living temple, because God's Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, we're going to come back to this again and again this morning, but think about this. This is a wonderful thing. It's not just, we don't just attend church, we are the church. Now, it's an important note here, when Peter's talking about living stones, where do you get the idea of stones and rocks anyway? Well, it was from Jesus, because Jesus chose Peter, an ordinary fisherman, to be a foundation stone or an early leader of the church. Peter's brother, Andrew, was the one who had introduced him to Jesus. Peter's name at the time was Simon. Jesus was the one who changed his name, and here's why it's significant. First time they met, here's what Jesus said to him. Well, Andrew had heard Jesus speaking, realized he was the Messiah, went and found his brother, Peter, and said, Peter, you got to hear this guy. So that's what's going on here in John 1:42. Andrew immediately led Peter to Jesus, and Jesus took one look and said, you're John's son, Simon, right? Well, from now on, your name is Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. That's in John 1.42. If you didn't know this, Peter means rock. Now, I always think of that actor, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, if you know that is, Peter didn't look anything like that. Anyway, but probably didn't look anything like that. But isn't it interesting? Jesus said, yeah, I'm changing name from Simon to rock, and later on in his life, when Peter's explaining the church, he says, We're all stones. We're living stones in the temple. I mean, Peter had been chosen like that. In fact, later on in his ministry, Jesus was asking his disciples, Well, who do people say that I am? And they said, Well, you know, Jesus, you do these miracles, so people think you're a great prophet. Some people will say you're Elijah risen from the dead, or, you know, or John the Baptist, or something like that, because John had been beheaded. And then Jesus turned to Peter, and he said, well, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And because of his confession, Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter, rock. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so Peter was reminding the early Christians, Jesus chose me, an ordinary fisherman, changed my name to rock, and said, I could be a part of the church, The new temple he was building wasn't built out of bricks and sticks. It was built out of people. Wow. Now, if we're going to embrace this concept, three things have to be very clear here for us. First of all, church is more than a worship service. Secondly, church is more than a building. I'll get the third one a little bit, but hang on to that for a second. The reason I put this in here is in English, in our common vernacular... We talk about church this way. Church is a worship service. Hey, why don't you invite a friend to go to church? Where do you go to church? I'm going to church. What are you talking about? The worship service. I mean, that's what we're talking about. If I'm going to worship, I'm going to church, which is fine. But the problem comes in, if we start talking about that too much, then we can define it that that's all we do. The church is only that. And the church is more than that. It's more than a worship service. The other way we kind of use a shorthand for the word church is when we say that church is a building. Hey, where's your church, of 1st and Main? Hey, that's a big church. That's a small church. That's a beautiful church. Where's your church? Well, we're talking about the building. Now, all of us know that the church is the people. And so where is our church? Well, the church is wherever the people are. But if we're not careful, like I said, this shorthand can lead us into this, that church is limited to a building or that church is limited to a worship service. And it's way more than that. And that's terribly important. We don't ever need... miss out on that. Because we if we limit it to that, we're going to misunderstand what God has for us. And that's why I'm going to such lengths on this. Now point C, I want to make one other point clear because Peter made this clear here, is that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. I mean, he said this multiple times. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced a lot of us don't understand this because we build buildings differently then but the cornerstone was the largest heaviest most carefully designed rock that was placed in the foundation in the foundation the foundational structure of any building it was the rock that gave the building its orientation was the pattern for all the rest of the rocks set out the standard where they'd be level and that was Jesus the cornerstone because peter said this is where we get all our directions from him christ is the head of the church He's the one who orients us. He's the one who is our foundation. He's the one who, we follow his lead in everything. That's why he goes on to say, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. Those who reject him, well, the stone the builders rejected him has now become the cornerstone. And he's the stone that makes people stumble. He's the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But not us. We understand that we get our directions from him. Paul said the same thing in Ephesians 2.20. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So we get our direction, our life, our power, our meaning from Christ, and that's never going to change. A few years ago, I had a woman come to my office. She said, I like your church. I've been to some of the meetings. I like the music. He said, you do a decent job explaining things, coffee's good, but I got one issue. If I'm going to be a part of this, I just want to know, are you going to, I mean, you push awfully hard every week. You talk about Jesus and people needing to come to Jesus, give their faith, put their faith in Jesus. You know, if you want me to be a part of this church, you're going to need to go light on that because there's a lot of ways people can come to God. They don't have to just come through Jesus. And so are you ever going to change that? I went, no. No. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, and he meant it. Here's the good news. Anyone can come to him, but he's the only one who died for our sins. He's the only one who rose again. He's the only one who paid the penalty in full for my sins so I can walk boldly into the presence of God, and we're going to talk about that in a second. And so this morning, this is what we celebrate. We celebrate that we are part of a living temple. We are, with Christ as the cornerstone and as our power supply. That brings us to the life application at the bottom. The church of Jesus Christ has no boundaries. Again, remember, Peter's writing to people who are scattered all over the place. Well, where do we go to worship if we can't go to the temple? You are God's temple, each of you. And when you get together, wherever you worship, there God is. Jesus explained this to the woman at the well. She had asked him a question. She was a Samaritan, and the Samaritans had a definite place to worship, and the Jews had another place to worship. And so she's saying, well, we, who's right? Do we have to worship in Jerusalem, at the temple there, or on the Temple Mount? Or, can, or the Samaritans right. You've got to worship God here. And here's what Jesus said. Believe me, dear woman, the time's coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Jesus also told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And because the church is wherever God's people go, because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, well, the church can meet anywhere. Let me give you some examples. A friend of mine is in ministry in Africa. And he said one of the most profound um, worship experiences he ever had was under a tree. They met for like four hours. He said people walked a great distance to come. And he said it was amazing. They met under a tree. Here's another place that people gather for worship. This is from National Community Church in Washington, D.C. It's a movie theater. They have theaters all over Washington. They gather for worship at those locations. The theaters show movies later on. They worship Christ during those uh, during those worship times on Sunday morning at the movie theaters. Here's another location. This is our Pike Road location. It's a YMCA on the other side of Montgomery. They meet in a basketball gym. Turn it into a, a worship sanctuary. For those of you who are worship, worshiping with us or watching online, we're meeting in a hotel ballroom. Here's one more location. This was our storefront, Wetumpka, where our Sites started out there, met there for a few years. Now they're in a uh, church building that we're renting. But they started out in the storefront. And the reason I do all this is I want us to understand, sometimes people ask me with Centerpoint, hey, you guys don't have a building anywhere yet and other things. Is there ever a building in the future? And I go, well, sure. I mean, when the time makes sense and when the resources are there, yeah, we'd inv- if it's the right thing to do, we'll invest in a building. But we don't need to wait until then. We can do ministry right now. Because a church is more than a building. It's more than a worship service. It's more. It's interesting. uh, Some of you know also, uh, I was uh, on staff at Fraser Methodist in Montgomery for almost 20 years. And God has blessed Fraser with an amazing campus. There are different worship centers. There's a huge fellowship hall, great nursery and children's room, even some basketball gyms, lots of parking, all kinds of stuff. But people forget when Fraser Methodist first started, it started out as a Sunday school class in 1889. had 25 people in it. Another church in Montgomery, it's a beautiful limestone structure, it's first Methodist in Montgomery. It started about 50, 60 years before Fraser did. Ten people in it. They met in a log cabin two miles outside, two miles from the river in Montgomery, Alabama. And if you go by that facility now, You can't believe that it started with 10 people in a log cabin. But it did. I mean, sometimes we think this, that the first people who came somewhere were hacking through the jungle. They came across this giant limestone building going, oh, that's a good place to meet. Let's meet there. (laughs) Well, that can't be. And you know it couldn't be. And Peter's reminding the people who are scattered, hey, we're the church. If this is good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? I mean, think if it was limited to one hour. Think if you needed God on Thursday night, but you had to wait till Sunday morning because you could only talk to God during that worship service on Sunday morning. Well, that would be a terrible thing. Think if God was limited to one building, whether it was Jerusalem or New York City or anywhere, and I had to get all the way there for God to hear my prayers. That'd be a terrible thing. But here's the good news. There are no limitations on the kingdom of God because we are the temple. We're more than people who go to church. We are the church. That's point one. Point two, if you open your bulletins, here's another thing that's more about church that we don't grasp when we first start coming is that we're more than volunteers at church. We're ministers of the church. All of us are. Could we read that one together, please? We are more than volunteers at church. We are ministers of the church. Now, you you go, well, John, wait a minute. I'm not a full-time pastor. Didn't say anything about full-time, part-time, anything. Just said what our role is. Here's what Peter said. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. John, Revelation 1-6. Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. We're all priests. Peter says we all can do what priests do. When you look up the word minister, here's something that really interesting that happens in the dictionary. Go to dictionary.com. The noun definition of minister refers to clergy, a professional clergyman, or a professional politician, somebody in political office, like the minister of defense. In England or something like that, or prime minister. So if you're a minister, then it's a professional position if it's a noun, clergy or political office. If you look at the verb definition for what minister is, it means to care for, attend to, and to look after. The Bible would have us look at minister as a verb, not a noun. You don't have to be clergy or a, or a politician to minister. That's why I've listed three things that we can all do. We can all minister in these ways. A, we can all serve others. We can all serve others. Jesus told his disciples, <coughs> whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, look, we've got to serve each other. The disciples have been arguing over who is going to be the greatest. And he goes, no, 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 no. This isn't about status. This is about serving. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Serve. Another thing we can all do, we can all pray. We can all pray for others. I can pray for you. You can pray for me. I can serve you when you need it. You can serve me when I need it. I want men everywhere, Paul wrote Timothy. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Why would that only be for full-time pastors? I mean, sometimes people figure I have a lot better reception in my office than they do in their house. But it's not true. We can all pray. And finally, see, we can all teach someone else how to better follow Jesus. I mean, that's the role of a minister, right? To Teach people how to better follow Jesus. Well, maybe you're not called to stand in front of a crowd or to put something online. But we can all teach someone we love. What if it's teaching our children? What if it's teaching our spouse? Teaching a neighbor? or just somebody younger. That's the idea here in Titus 2. He told Titus, teach the Paul told Titus, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, to teach what's good, and then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. I mean, that's part of a passage where the older men are supposed to teach the younger men. Younger men are supposed to give respect to the older men. And he said, as regarding the older women, have them train the younger women. Everybody can teach Someone. We can all minister. We're the church. We all can serve in that function. And that's why Peter says, you're all holy priests. God has given all of you gifts for this. So you can get these things done. I remember um, when the penny dropped from me about the church wasn't just a meeting I attend and that God had things for me to do. That happened when I was in college, and I had spent a semester attending a uh, campus ministry meeting. We got to the beginning of the next semester, and they brought in a guest speaker, and he said, now, some of you started coming here last fall, and you think you're doing really good because you've been coming to all these meetings last fall, and you've been taking notes, and you've been growing spiritually, and he goes, I'm going to blow you away tonight. I'm going to tell you there's more. God has things for you to do in the world it's good that you're learning, but he didn't give you stuff to learn and then not use it. He wants you to go out and be his hands and his feet. And it was like, mind blown. I thought it was just about me showing up. Mm-mm. We're a whole kingdom of priests. You know what makes me happy? It happened again just recently, a few months ago. Showed up at a hospital, I'm gonna go visit somebody. They go. Are you from Center Point? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. It's just that. I mean, there's so many of y'all here. The rooms are ready to. Oh, just go ahead and go on in. You know. And what happens is there's a whole Connect group in somebody's room. They're having a little Connect group party. Chips and dip and everything else. It's all in there. Okay. I show up. Everybody got there before the clergy guy. I love that when that happens. Why would you have to be ordained? Why would you have to have a seminary degree to go visit somebody in the hospital? Do I need a seminary degree to pray for somebody? Do I need a seminary degree to teach somebody who's younger, hey, here's how you, uh, an older woman to teach a younger woman, an older man to teach a younger man? Of course not. We're more than volunteers at church. We love volunteers. There's people volunteering right now. That's how we get all these worship services done. That's important. But we're more than that. We can be ministers all week long. And I hope that excites you. A third point here that Peter brought out was that we are more than individuals in a Christian organization. We belong to God's family. We're His people. I mean, listen to how Peter put it. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. We're God's people. We belong to him. Here's how Paul put it. He said, now all of us can come to the Father, this is Ephesians 2, through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. I mean, we've been adopted in. This all matters because this is the life application. It means that all of us have direct access to God through Christ. See, this should make us happy too. Again, if people want to pray with me in my office, that's great. But you don't have to pray with me. You can go directly to God yourself. Anytime. Day or night. Anywhere. Because God never sleeps, he never slumbers, and he never takes his eye off of us. And he knows what we need better than we do. Oh, my goodness. Paul, Romans 8. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Come, Dad, I need your help. Dad, I don't know what to do. Dad. And he loves it when we call on him like that. Hebrews 10. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. When Jesus died on the cross, the last words he said were, it is finished. He said, it's finished. And when he did that, the gospels tell us that there was a curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple in Jerusalem. A thick curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. God himself tore it wide open. That curtain separated the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where... God's presence was. Nobody but the high priest was allowed to go in there once a year under penalty of death. But Jesus had died in our place, paid the penalty in full. There's no need for the curtain anymore. Everyone through Christ can come on in. We are more than just individuals in a Christian organization. We're part of God's family. We're his own people. We can come to him anytime we want with any problem because he loves us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, he understands us and loves us, forgives us and empowers us. Oh, this is good news. It's more than we thought. I mean, all this stuff, this is what I'm talking about. I'm sitting at a college ministry meeting. There's more. You think just showing up at the meeting is what it's all about, and it's been pretty good because you've been learning a lot. You've just touched the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We're all a part of it. The Holy Spirit is in you and is in me. Anywhere we get together, we can worship. Christ is there. We're his priests. We're not just volunteers. We all can serve as ministers in some capacity. We're part of his family. We're his people. And fourthly, we're more than people who hear about Jesus. We're ambassadors of Jesus. Can we read that one out loud together, please? We're more than people who hear about Jesus. We're ambassadors of Jesus. Again. We're not just people who sit and listen to sermons. Hey, why should I become a Christian at the age of 20? Because if you live to 80, you'll get 60 years of sermons. That's it. I mean, that's good for people like me. I got something to do. But you understand, of course, that hopefully every time we're doing a a message or other things, this is to encourage us and help us so we can go out and get on with the work God's given us. I mean, listen to Peter again. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior, and they give the honor to God when he judges the world. I mean, we're ambassadors. People are watching us. I it goes right along with the whole thing that we're all ministers. I mean, you get to minister at your job, wherever it is. You get to minister in your neighborhood, wherever you live. When People are watching us all the time. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I love it when people bring a friend and they go, oh my goodness, you got to have lunch with me and a friend. I've been talking about Jesus and I think he's ready to receive Christ. It's like, okay, why do you need me there? Well, if you come, then you can put the good Housekeeping seal of approval on you know the whole experience, and so we'll have lunch together and walk through, and they've already told them all about Jesus, and we'll talk through it, and they'll go, "Hey, hey do you want to do this?" And they go, "Yes," and they'll pray to receive Christ. And John Schmidt said it's official. But what's so great is I can tell the person, "Do you understand God used you? You were the minister, you were the ambassador, and my friends." When you and I get a taste of being part of somebody's soul coming to Christ, the population of heaven and hell being changed for eternity? Whew. What's better than that? Life application. Christ gives our lives purpose and meaning. This is why we want to center lives on Christ. Centering our lives on anything else is not going to satisfy. I got a phone call from a friend in Kansas recently talking about a mutual friend who had taken his life. And as we were talking, the guy had an amazing career, had a beautiful wife and family, had a lovely house, had everything, everybody had status in the community, had everything you'd think anybody could want, and said he couldn't find purpose in his life. And that isn't shocking, because you just try to accumulate everything the world offers, and the world says if you have more success, if you have more fame, if you have more stuff then you got to be happy. And Jesus says, oh, i got something that blows all that away. There's so much more. Peter put it this way. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Here's why. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What if I don't know how to share the gospel? Can you declare his praises and say, He brought me out of darkness into the wonderful light? Of course, we can. We're living stones in the temple, we are the church. We're the priests. We can go directly to God ourselves. Don't have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Don't have to have John Schmidt there. We can be ambassadors to the people that God has put in front of us. That's a whole lot more. I hope it excites you as much as me. I love our church. I love it that God's been using us to do all this stuff. Helping us put small groups together. help us train leaders. Worshipping in different places. And he's right here with us. And he's going to guide us. We've got a whole year in front of us and it's going to be amazing. Or most of the whole year in front of us. It's going to be amazing. I hope you come back next week too because there's even more to the series on more. Would you pray with me please? Lord, I thank you that you give us so much more than most of us have experienced or expected. Lord, I remember when you blew my mind in college going, oh, there's more. I thought it was just about showing up for meetings. And God, may we never reduce church to that. That's part of it, but there's a lot more. Lord, buildings where people meet, that's important, but buildings come and go. People move. And it's great to know, Lord, that there's no limitations on your temple because we're temples of the Holy Spirit. And God, we're priests. We're your ministers. And I'm grateful for that. If the Lord spoke to you about something this morning and reminded you of something very important, would you say, Lord, I heard you and I thank you that I came here today? I want more. I want everything that you want me to experience through church. I want it all. Oh, Lord, I pray that we'll surrender and let you do that. I pray you'll take this church wherever you want it. When it comes time for us to build a building, you'd supply the resources and show us exactly where. And, Lord, that you'd keep us always, ever vigilant to be ambassadors for you. Thank you, Lord, that you're always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And we can pray now in the name of Jesus, knowing that you hear us. So in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, together, as God's people, we say, amen.